My assignment for today comes from the book of Ephesians, beginning with verse 11. Ephesians, beginning with verse 11. And I'll give you some time to turn there. I'm actually reading from the New Living Translation. If you're on the Bible app, you can flip that over to the New Living Translation. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. If you got it, say, I got it. If you need some more time, say, hold up, pastor. All right, I guess everybody's ready to go. All right, so let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. If there's anybody watching us that is a non-Jew, look at them and say, you are a Gentile. You are a Gentile. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you did not know the promises of God had made them. Promises of God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now... You belong to Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Though you were once were far away from God, now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has made peace. Somebody say peace. Something we need in this hour. For Christ himself has made peace between Jews and you Gentiles by making us all one people. That's some good news. He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate us by his death. He has ended the whole system of Jewish law that excluded the Gentiles. His purpose was to make peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new person from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and to us Jews who were near. Now all of us, both Jews and Gentiles, may come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers. And foreigners, you are citizens among all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Mm. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Wow, what a mouthful. And it fits precisely given the song that we just sung, that we are children of God. I want to speak to you for a few moments from the subject matter, God privilege. God privilege. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everyone that's watching. Father, we pray that 
We believe that your spirit is already moving right where they are, but we pray that you would give them illumination and understanding. We pray that you would use me as your servant. I confess before everyone that I cannot do this on my own, but I need the empowering of your Holy Spirit. Minister through me right now and bring about change in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. As we dive into this text, I want to first of all set the stage for how this message came about. If I'm honest with you, I have to tell you that I've been grieved in my spirit for the body of Christ. One of the things that I've noticed, even in the midst of all that's happening in our world, is the great divide that is transpiring in the church, even amongst Christians. And this is something that we have to be particularly careful to protect and also guard against is disunity in the body of Christ. There's a scripture that I immediately think about, a scripture that I've often turned to when it comes to ministry, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to life in general. And the scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. And the scripture declares, where there is no oxen, the trough is clean. But increase comes by strength of an ox. Where there is no oxen, the trough is clean, but increase comes by strength of an ox. And in essence, what the scripture is teaching us is that when a farmer seeks to produce a harvest, he has to use oxen in order to till the ground to make it suitable for planting seeds. But one of the tedious tasks that he is assigned is having to clean this water trough that these animals drink from on a continual basis because it's not like these animals have manners. But when they go to this trough, they continually get it dirty. So he has to continually come in and clean it. But he recognizes even though it is a difficult task, the harvest that he is hoping to produce in the future is indicative of what he does in that moment in cleaning the trough. The moral to the story is, in order for progress to take place, there is going to be times of messiness. In order for change to be enacted, there is going to be times of difficulty and disorder. But even through the midst of all that is going on, there is a harvest and there is a seed of change that is coming. Are you with me? But even as I've looked at what's happening in our world and the great divide, that is even happening in the church. And I could go on and on about this. I know Pastor Frank has ministered on this in previous sermons, so I'm not going to take the time to go into all the intricate details, but I want to challenge all believers out there with this. First of all, to search your heart. David said, Lord, search my heart. See if there be anything in me that's not of you. And if it is, purge it out. But what we don't want is to begin to change who we are in the midst of what's happening on the news and in our culture, but to remain in our position in Christ and act in accordance with our position in him. To not change who we are as long as we are operating in the will of God. Now, if there's change that has to be made, if there's generational mindsets that have to be broken, then those things need to be changed. But what I see and what I don't want to happen 
is that when we come back together, that people start to act weird towards each other, that they start to look at each other differently, that they stop having associations with certain people because of what is going on in our world. We must be careful to maintain the unity in the body of Christ and recognize that that is my brother, that that is my sister, that that is my friend. And even though we've gone through this season, even though we've gone through this difficult time, this does not change my relationship with you. I still love you, brother. I still love you, sister. Even if we come from a different culture, even if we are of different races, in Christ, we are all one, which I'm going to get to later on in this message. We have to be careful to maintain unity in the body of Christ. And let us not, when we come back, have any sort of divisions because that's the enemy's plan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have life more abundantly. And not only that, we have the Holy Spirit who is our comforter, who gives us wisdom, who leads us, who shows us the way of truth. So as we open up this message, one of the things that I wanted to minister from and the first point that I want to make as we open up this passage of scripture, is why did God choose the nation of Israel to be his people? Why were these people in the earlier stages of the Bible created to be or made to be God's chosen people? What was it about them? Was it their behavior? Was it their number? Was it where they came from? Why is it that God chose these people? Well, I'm glad that you asked. First off, I want to define something really quick. Some of you have probably heard this term a lot, but I wonder, do you know the actual definition? The word privilege means a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. It is a special right, an advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. Now, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the Bible, the one thing that I want you guys to understand is in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapters 10 through 11, here is where we have the nations being divided. In these chapters, we also, this marks the beginning of the racial, ethnic, cultural, and family diversity that existed in the world. And you must understand, before Genesis chapter 11 and 10, there was one nation. And there was one language that was spoken. But when you read about the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that the people at that time began to erect this monument and it reached all the way up up into heaven. And they were unified in what they were doing. But even in their unity, they were doing something that was contrary to the will of God. So God actually came down and spoke and literally confused their language. And from that moment on, you had all diversities of races, racial, ethnic, cultural, family. All of these were created in that moment and the nations were separated from that time. Now, I don't want you to walk away thinking that that was the final because there's coming a day where God is going to bring all tribes and nations and tongues back together to worship the Lord as we will see in the book of Revelation. So it's only a moment of time in God's picture where we live in this difference or this divide, but there's going to be a unity that will be recreated when we get to heaven. But as we look at 
all the very peoples of the earth, no matter what land or language, every person descended from Noah. From Noah. Most of you know that God brought about a great flood. He was displeased about the behavior and the wickedness that existed in the land at the time. So he brought a great flood and he saved Noah and his family. And here we have a new people that began and every last one of us were descendants of Noah. You know what's interesting is I look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Listen to what this says. And this is speaking of the Israelites. It says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, namely Abraham, which we'll get to in a second. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations and those who love him and keep his commandments and he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statues and the judgment, which I command you today to observe them. It all started with Abraham. Abraham is regarded as the father of faith, as it pertains to the Jewish people. And you have to understand when Abraham was chosen, it was because of God's grace. It was because of his unmerited favor. There wasn't qualities within Abraham that God noticed that would be valuable that caused him to be chosen. It was simply God's grace. And when he chose him, he told him to come out from his family to come out from his kinfolk, which was literally against everything that was normally done. People would normally stay within their tribes. They would stay within their homelands. To venture away from that was totally peculiar. It was different. But God said to get away. And may I submit to you that God may be saying the same thing to you right now. Some of the conversations that you are engaged in, some of the people that are speaking into your life, could it be possible as a side note that God is wanting you from, to come out of that because of the negativity that it's producing on the inside of you? Because of the lack of love and the lack of godliness, is it possible that God is wanting you to come out from among them and be separate so that he can do a work on the inside of you and then cause you to go back and erect change? The same was true with Abraham when he was called out. He was talked or he was told to go to a place that God would show him. He didn't even know where he was going, but yet he was leading thousands of people to a land that God told him to go to. And they didn't have a GPS back then. And so he was literally feeling his way as he was walking, as he was journeying to the place that God wanted to take him. But he was chosen and there were mighty promises that were given unto Abraham. Some of those promises are included in Genesis chapter 12 and also in Genesis chapter 22. He said that I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And he said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And so not only do we have in that promise a wonderful 
array a wonderful people that would be established, the Jews. But there's also traces of another group of people that would be included because of the seed. And it wasn't seeds as of many, but it was a seed. And I know I'm jumping the gun, but that seed was actually Jesus Christ himself. So that Abraham's descendants would not just be comprised of Jewish people, but that his descendants would also be comprised of those who were non-Jews. And he would bring them all together in one, in Christ. One of the physical signs of Jews from other nations was that of all male babies being circumcised on the eighth day after birth. This was a physical sign to distinguish them from other nations. As we look at the term Gentile, and I know as I read this, and I had some of you look at those who were close to you, or maybe you're there by yourself, maybe you looked in the mirror, when I asked you to turn to somebody and say, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, let's look at that definition for just a second. In the Old Testament, the general definition that was understood was people who are not a part of God's chosen family at birth and thus can be considered pagans. This is what they understood it as, even though this is not necessarily what God communicated to them, but this is what they derived from it, that those who were non-Jews were pagans. A loose translation, the New Testament definition would be people who do not have a covenant with God. And you know what's powerful? When I discovered this, I realized because I do have a covenant God, I, I do have a covenant with God, and the loose translation or the loose definition, I am no longer a Gentile because I have a covenant with him. And the blessing that was promised to Abraham has passed down to me because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and all who will ever turn to Jesus. That's some good news. The second point that I want to make is Jesus died to bring peace and to end all hostility between opposing groups. See, there was a long-standing hostility, and Pastor Frank has dealt with this with the Jews and even the Samaritans, but I want to talk to you today about the Jews and the Gentiles. Those who were non-Jews, like had no traces of Jewish lineage on the inside of them. There was a hostility that existed between these two groups, and there was hatred that the Jews had in certain instances of Gentiles. Even though it was misguided, even though these were God's people that he was eventually going to choose. Because what's interesting, even when I look at the scriptures and I look at the law that was prescribed in the Old Testament, God always made provisions for those who were foreigners. He always made provisioners. He always had a plan for the Gentiles. They weren't supposed to be a people that were cast aside and that were less than and that were never had opportunity to be redeemed. He had a plan for them. It wasn't that this caught God off guard when Adam and Eve fell or when the nations were separated. God had a plan. He had a purpose. And listen to this. This plan had its origin through God's promise to Abraham, as I just said. When God spoke to him and said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, that seed was Christ. And there would come a seed, come a seed later on, many centuries, many generations later, when Jesus stepped on the scene, he would bring the one that would bring that unity, that would end the divide and would break down any walls of hostility that existed. Let me ask you something. If God was able to break down the hostility that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles, 
What makes you think that he can't do the same with some of the hostilities that exist in our nation right now? But it's up to us as believers to stand in our position, to recognize who we've been called to be. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not below. Even though there are certain injustices and things that happen in this earth, it doesn't negate who we are in Christ. Can I be honest with you guys? There was a lot of historical facts that I was not aware of before this racial tension that exists within our nation. As I've done a lot of research and as I've done a lot of reading, it's been very humbling, but it's also been very upsetting. And I've had a whirlwind of emotions, even as I read about some of the ways in which black people have been treated. One of the uh, great authors that I've been listening to or reading is the Dr. Tony Evans out of Dallas, Texas. He wrote a book called Oneness Embraced. And one of the things that he talks about in the fourth chapter of his book is the inferiority myth. The inferior myth, the feeling that there is a group of people that are less than other people. And this doesn't just exist between black and whites. I would go as far as to say that this also exists with other races as well. But one thing that we have to understand, even though there were certain people who purported things under the guise of Christianity, that doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater and that Christianity should be thrown to the side just because of a few bad apples that taught deceptive teachings. What we have to understand is the truth of the gospel, the truth of who God really is. And we have to be just like the Berean church was in Acts chapter 17, who searched the scriptures for themselves so that they didn't fall into deception. And that's the kind of generation of people that we're trying to raise up is those that study the word for themselves. But one thing that I understand as I've done my research and even as I've looked at various things is there were a lot of hypocritical teachings that emerged in previous generations that shouldn't have been there, that shouldn't have even been taught. Curse of Ham being one of them and many others. But even though these things were taught and even though they were purported, how many of you know that we are more than conquerors in Christ? That we are more than conquerors in Christ and that we can overcome, that we can rise up, not just black people, but all tongues and nations. We can rise up and accept the heritage and the inheritance that we have received on behalf of what Christ has done for us on the cross. There is victory in Jesus. The last point that I want to make as I bring this in for a close, as we look at this scripture, God privilege is acquired by placing your faith in Jesus. There are privileges and there are rights that come with being a child of God. Many times when I've ministered and I say this, a lot of people are shocked by it, but you do know that the Bible says, and I quoted this earlier in John 1, 12, to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. We are not all God's children. We are God's creation, but you don't have the privilege of becoming his child until you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And there are rights and privileges that come with no exception to those who accept Jesus. 
No one is excluded. No one is prevented from coming. All are invited to come and receive Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 declares it this way. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. I preached this this past Wednesday. This is so powerful. God says if he was willing to love us while we were yet still sinners, think about his love for us after we have been reconciled. And even the word reconcile itself means that God changed his stance about us. We used to be enemies of God. We used to be alienated from him and from the commonwealth of Israel through wicked works. But when the grace and mercy of God was applied to our lives, we became a Christian. And we received the privilege of being called his son, his daughter. Not just his creation, but everything that Jesus acquired for us because we're joint heirs with him, we now possess as well. And that's available to every single person that's watching, to every single people group. No one is excluded from that because Jesus died for us. Another scripture that stands out to me, and this is one, honestly, this is the foundational scripture that we need to echo in all spheres and constantly proclaim this. This will create the unity that we are desperately needing in the body of Christ because everything should originate and start with the church. We should be the leaders when it comes to unity, when it comes for standing up for justice and righteousness. We should be the ones and we should walk in the truth of God's scriptures. But listen to what this says. Galatians 3.26, Paul in his letter to this church declares, For you are the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's some good news. We are all one in Christ. Equal footing. God is not asking for sameness. He's asking for oneness in the spirit. All of us have different flavors and different uh, um, cultures that we bring into the body of Christ. And those cultures should be maintained unless they conflict with the teaching and authority of Scripture. But we're one. And that's something we should work to maintain. You know, as I close, I, I, um, I think about a story I grew up in Texas and there was a church that I was a part of, uh, Covenant Church, and the pastor there at the time was uh, Pastor Mike Hayes. And I can remember the story was told. I wasn't actually at this event, but it was told many, many times. Um, and the story is told of how Dr. Bernice King came to one of the services. And just like Faith Church, um, 
Covenant Church was a very diverse church made up of many different backgrounds and cultures. And when she came to that church, hadn't been to many churches like it, she began to cry and weep. And the reason why she cried and she wept was because this was the fulfillment of what her father, Dr. Martin Luther King, believed in. And she told stories of how she can remember when she was younger because he was assassinated when she was five years old. And she tells the story of how she remembers rocks being thrown through the window. She remembers the things that were being spoken, the phone calls that were being made. And it was hard for her to look at white people differently. It was hard for her to, for, to forgive them and to let go of how she felt her father was being treated. But you want to know what caused her to have a paradigm shift? Was accepting Jesus Christ and allowing the power of Jesus Christ transform her heart and give her a new perspective and cause her to love a people in which she hated. This has always been the heart that I've had. It's been one of my life messages is to break generational curses through the power of Christ. And that can only happen through Jesus. You can't legislate a heart change, not to say that there aren't things that we shouldn't do to bring about change in legislation, but ultimately what is going to change the paradigm in somebody's family is one person receiving Jesus Christ. You may say, Pastor Brandon, how is that possible? You guys might remember when Paul and Silas were in the prison and they begin to praise and worship God. And the prison doors were open and the shackles came off of their feet. And there was a guard that was in that prison that was scared. And he was literally about to kill himself because if he let any prisoners go free, he knew that that was an end to his life. But Paul spoke and said, we are here. We are still here. And this man, probably convicted in that moment by the Holy Spirit, said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they shared the gospel with him, and he gave his life to Christ. But what's powerful is the Bible says all of his family came to know the Lord, and they all got baptized. Don't tell me that when you share the gospel with one person that you can't affect change generationally. It can happen. And it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's anybody watching this, maybe you would say, Pastor Brandon, I've never given my life to Jesus. Maybe there's things that I've experienced things that I've observed in my life that have caused me to feel a certain way towards a particular group of people. Lord, I need help. You might say, I need your strength to be able to forgive and be a reconciler because he reconciled me. If his position can change about me, I can sure enough change my position about other people. Because I'm extending out what I've received. If you're ready to receive Jesus, you would say, Pastor Brandon, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I've violated the commandments of God. And my punishment is just, but I need Jesus. I know that he died on the cross for my sins. I know that his blood was shed so that I can be free. If that's you and you want to receive him now, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me, Lord, and make me new. I believe that you died on the cross. 
I believe that you rose again with all power in your hands. And I'm making a decision on this day to commit and submit my life to you, Jesus, and to have you take control. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you say that prayer, the Bible says that you have come into the kingdom of God. You've crossed over from death to life. Make sure to let us know that you received Jesus. There may be a button that you can press to also let us know as well.